Welcome to the Introvertpreneur Podcast. Take a breath because you are in the right place and you can finally stop apologizing for being an introvert. I'm Tara and I've discovered how to thrive as an entrepreneur while being 100% true to myself. Now I want to help you do the same. In these episodes, you're going to find everything you need to build a successful service-based business so you can stop competing with extroverts and grow and market your business with ease. Are you ready? Welcome back to another episode of the Introvertpreneur Podcast. We are joined today by Danielle Levy, who is an integrator and COO, and she helps bold business owners scale and grow their genius. She is a professional problem solver. I love that title. (laughs) She helps CEOs with operations, team management, funnels, and systems. And I know we have a lot of things that we're going to dig into in this episode. So welcome, Danielle. I'm so excited you're here. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Hey, so I love all of the things that you do. I think it's so important for any entrepreneur, but I feel like for introverts in particular, it's really important because if you have systems in place and you have a solid foundation, you're going to feel more confident in your marketing and your offers and everything. So I would love for you to tell us a little bit more about your story and kind of how you got started in business and what you do now. Yeah. So I will kick off this story because I do think it's a cool story. Obviously, I'm biased. I am an extreme introvert and I have a lot of social anxiety. So the story may surprise people, but I would encourage people to kind of listen to it with that ear and saying, okay, if she did it, then let me think about what this means for me. So I'm in Massachusetts, USA, and I had a really successful career in digital marketing agencies and design studios and just the best of the best, like New York caliber kinds of clients. It was really amazing. And I did that for probably 15 years and I was super burnt out. And so I was like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do when I grow up. So let me just go to grad school because I don't know why I thought grad school would help cure burnout. I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. So (laughs) I got through grad school and I was still just as burnt out. And I had a major milestone birthday coming up and I really wanted to do something fun. And being an introvert, I didn't want to party. I didn't want people looking at me. I didn't want a big celebration. Like I just wanted to enjoy it in my own way. And everything that I tried to do failed for one reason or another. Like I was supposed to go to Cuba with a girlfriend. She got let go and didn't have the money to do it. I was supposed to go to like this, like extravagant tour thing with another friend, like that didn't work out. And then I was like, okay, I heard that Joan London, I forget which morning show she was on many, many years ago, runs a summer camp in Maine. I'm going to go to summer camp and I'm going to have big fun at this summer camp. And I'll never forget it. I got to Joan London's summer camp website and there was like a virtual sign in the door that says, after 10 years, we've closed. Sorry, can't help you. And I was crushed and fired up because I was like, doesn't the universe know that this is my big birthday and I need a big way to celebrate? I remember rabbit holing every which way that I could in the middle of the night, did not sleep that night because I was on a mission. I was going to find another summer camp that made me like just really excited about this birthday and that I was going to do something fun and create these memories. And so much so that I was like, oh, it doesn't matter that this girlfriend can't go. It doesn't matter that this, I'm doing this on my own, which as an introvert with social anxiety, like, I don't know what 
was going on with me, but I like had this mission. So I ended up booking myself with, she's actually another online influencer, but I didn't know that at the time because my keyword search was simply women's summer camp. And I went to her program for five or six days in Asheville, North Carolina, and it rained the entire time. So my introverted self was crushed because all of the things that I had planned in doing weren't going to happen. And what I didn't realize is that I was surrounded by some of the biggest influencers in the online space. And we were all sitting in like 10 year old bunks, like playing makeup and doing arts and crafts. And this all sounds very weird. I know, but it took me taking that chance on my birthday and to not have had the opportunity to be completely intimidated by these influencers to have had a fabulous birthday and walk away with several job offers to me because people were like, oh, what you do sounds like what we need. And so that was my introduction to the online space. I know that's a very long story, but I think it just goes to show like I was out of my element. I took a chance. I was ignorant in, as to what I was about to do. And it ended up being the biggest career opportunity I had ever had. I love that story. Oh my gosh. Like, and to think you are questioning about the universe and it was actually probably pushing you towards this, this path, which is amazing. I love that story, especially as an introvert. Cause as you were sharing it, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I've had moments of that too, where I'm like, I'm just going to do it. Like I'm fired up. I know this is totally not me and out of my comfort zone, but I'm going to just I feel it that I need to do this. The magic of that story is had I known that any of these individuals were going to be there, I would not have gone like just <laughs> outright, like would not even because I would have been so intimidated by the whole situation. Yeah, I can just so ridiculous because they were delightful and wonderful, but we would, yeah, we would get in our heads a lot about it and that yeah. would probably result in yeah, like being intimidated, holding yourself back from engaging and building relationships. Yeah, being an introvert can be <laughs> a challenge sometimes. So I know one thing you talk a lot about, and I think it's really important for every business, is about not just driving revenue, but driving profit. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I've definitely struggled with. I'm not a money person. I despise math, but I think it's so critical that if you're going to build your own business, like it, it's not just about what you've made. Like if you're putting everything back into the business, you're going to experience burnout. Your business isn't going to be able to grow. You're not going to be able to grow your team. So I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts around profit versus revenue. So the answer is definitely yes, but I'll tell you how I experienced it as an introvert. Somehow I got into this pattern of if I worked hard enough, if I created enough busy work, if I created enough digital noise, that in my mind would make up for any shortcomings of like showing up bold in really big places. Like it was a real hustle mentality to sort of get over this introvertness. And as a result of that, I think it's very easy to drive revenue, which is, you know, big numbers or whatever big numbers mean to an individual, but um, based on the number of hours that I was working, they weren't necessarily profitable. So I was doing all of this work because I loved it. But obviously at the, at the end of the day, we all want to be able to pay our bills and do the things that we want to do. And I wasn't actually making any money. And time and time again, I see that in my clients' businesses. Like they have these big ideas, they know how to sell them, but it's like at what cost 
are they actually putting these things out? And and I do think there is occasion to drive revenue without creating a profit for the purposes of like brand awareness or incredible opportunities or, you know, there are, there are occasions, but I think, I always think about like, and I'm sure you've heard like when people go on social or whatever, and they're like, I had a, you know, six figure launch and I'm like, well, great. That was your revenue, but how much money did you actually, Mm -hmm. right? Those thoughts always go through my mind. Yeah. I do the same thing whenever somebody has like a big flashy number, I'm like, okay, but that, that's just surface level. I want to know how much time you spent, how big your team is, how long you've been in business to get that many people in the door. Like I wouldn't know all the things or how much you spent on ads. Like, I love that. I think people need to talk more about that too, instead of just sharing the numbers with that. Like you don't have to share like all, like your entire, like profit and loss sheet, but just a little bit more about what's behind that number to make it more clear to somebody else. Cause I think sometimes when, especially if you're newer, I know for me, I would see somebody posting like, Oh, I just had a hundred K month. And I'm like, Oh, why can't I do that right now? Like it feels discouraging. It's like, yes, it's seeing what's possible. But if you're just taking that number as like, Oh, why can't I achieve that? Then it can really get down and like affect your mindset But I think, like you said, like we have to look at the big picture. That's not profit. That is revenue. And there's a lot of factors that go into launches or a business's revenue. Yeah. And I think the other piece of it is we move so quickly and like, and I'll use technology as an example. Like I was in a very, very expensive mastermind and I chose not to renew it. And before I could even cancel, they had already hit my credit card for the next year. And I'm just, I I mean, I couldn't have missed that charge in particular, but I I give that example because like our softwares automatically renew, right? Like our subscriptions automatically renew. It's actually very easy to let those things go and directly take out of our, you know, our profit line without even realizing it. So I always like to work with my entrepreneurs to to really look like at the DNA, whether it's their operations DNA or their tech DNA or, you know, however they house all of their costs within their PL to make sure that the money that needs to be staying in-house remains in-house. Mm-hmm. That's a good point about subscriptions because I know at one point I had so many, oh, and I, I had to go through and do a review and really look at like, am I using this? Does it make sense to keep it? Or is there another tool that I could use in place of this that I already have maybe, or that is a lower cost? But yeah, I I, I think as somebody who loves tech and different tools, that's something that I struggled with is making sure I've, I've streamlined and simplified the subscriptions and systems and tools that I'm paying for. Yeah. So I know we wanted to talk a little bit about hard conversations as an introvert. And I think especially for anyone who's listening, who has like a service business or a coaching business and is an introvert and deals with clients. I know for me, I always found that sometimes the hardest part is having those hard conversations. So do you have any thoughts or like best tips around somebody who maybe struggles with having those hard conversations, whether it's with their team or a client? Yeah. When I Many years ago, I made the mindset shift that my job is to go into businesses and serve the business. And that doesn't mean serve 
the CEO. It doesn't mean serve the team members. I, I mean, relationships are everything to me. And I could go on and on about um, people and, and the importance of taking care of your team and how teams drive sales. And like, I, I could go on forever about that. But as soon as my mindset shifted to how do I serve the business, it actually made hard conversations a lot easier because it wasn't about the personal relationships involved. It was about, you know, if this client isn't a fit or, you know, my job is to figure out how to drive revenue and serve clients, my clients' clients at the highest levels without sacrificing the business. And so for me, when I could frame it that way, hard conversations are actually, they need to be thought about. They need to be thought through. I need to prepare for them, but they're not difficult because for me, it's just more of a matter of fact conversation. And let me be, just go emphasize again, like I'm very relationship driven. I am self-made. I've had to hustle a lot. There were no like, oh, I'm just going to quit my job and I'm going to try this new thing. Like I really had to be mindful about coming up in my career and providing for my family and all of those kinds of things. And I take that very personally when working with clients or vendors or team members, but I do just really think about the business of the business and how to best handle that. And that has really just diffused a lot of the situations for me. I think that's a powerful thing that a lot of entrepreneurs need because I mean, most of us, like we start our businesses because we we love it and we kind of get too in it, like, like we're too close to it. So I think like having somebody come in and really focus on the business as a whole is like so beneficial because I think it's CEOs or entrepreneurs, sometimes we're just too close to it. We can't see the actual big picture. Yeah. And, and it's given me a lot of confidence as an introvert. So to have challenging conversations with CEOs, I feel like, again, I'm not coming from a place of being intimidated by them or feeling like I don't have the knowledge. It's, I feel confident in myself because I know that the integrity is where it needs to be and they don't have to agree with me. And at the end of the day, it is their business, but it makes it, it makes it for a conversation that I'm comfortable to have. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's such good advice. Cause I know, yeah, as introverts, sometimes we can be people pleasers, maybe have a hard time saying no, which I've definitely been guilty of in the past. I've definitely gotten a lot better with that. And it just take time too. I think like if a conversation feels awkward, it's something that needs to happen. But I think like one thing I've learned is to give myself a grace period. Like if I get a email from a client that's like triggering me in any way, I'm like, I I need to walk away and I'll answer this later. Like once I think about it, kind of take the time to craft a response that takes, doesn't have emotion in it. I think that because I am an emotional person. So it's hard sometimes to separate that. I think taking that space away really helps for me to have a clearer head. Yeah. And what's interesting about what you said is I think I'm I'm definitely paraphrasing it correctly, but you said that it, it felt awkward to you is so most of my clients are extroverts. And so it's been interesting. And this happened to me twice last week, which I thought was so interesting was 
things were starting to feel really weird with them, each, each client for very different reasons, but they felt weird. And I found myself feeling really anxious about having conversations with them. One client, I addressed it with first. The other client addressed it with me before I could initiate the conversation, though it was my intent. And it was interesting to me that on the extrovert side, that they were feeling the same things. And so I think one of the clients in particular struck me again, coming from an introvert. She's like, I really admired how you brought this forward and you were able to have a really professional conversation. And for me, it really took all of my gumption, but it was really well received. And so I think I've tried to make it a point to not hide behind the anxiousness I feel sometimes as an introvert or use my intro is introvertness a word. Um, I'm going to make it a word. (laughs) My introvertness as an excuse not to have those conversations, because I think that feeling that you described is just an indication oftentimes of something else that's going on that does need to be addressed. Mm -hmm. And that's something too I found in the past is when I would avoid having certain conversations, it was kind of like I was procrastinating on doing what needed to be done just because it felt a certain way. And then, I mean, not addressing something as quickly as possible, it just makes it worse in the long run. So that's a lesson I've learned for sure. Like letting a client overstep boundaries and for so long and not saying something like if you just let it go, (laughs) it's going to get worse and it's going to snowball. Yeah. And I think that's something else that I've seen firsthand is my instinct also can be to kind of put things off and to procrastinate it. When I have bad news to deliver, I found actually the majority of my clients actually don't care about the bad news. I mean, they care about the bad news, but it's not the bad news that they care about. It's how I'm handling the situation to course correct. And so again, just pushing it aside, pushing it aside is actually the greater problem than just kind Mm -hmm. of owning the issue and saying, yeah, this thing happened but here's what I did about it or here's what's in process. Yeah, that's so true. So I know you have a framework and I want to hear this, a framework to diagnose the health of your business. Yeah. Share a little bit more about that or like how you use that framework or like what it looks like or what it involves. Because I think the health of our businesses is something that a lot of people avoid. (laughs) I think especially at the start, they're just like, oh, I'm doing what I love. I'm focusing on growth and all this stuff, but they don't really dig into the actual health and the data and how things are moving. Yeah. So every single client that I work with, we regularly talk about taking them out of the business and making sure that the business stands alone as an entity rather than just being a high paying job. And you know, for example, like, you know, that they can take the vacations they want to, right? And not be bothered. Or if there is a family or medical emergency or whatever, like they can handle those things. A lot of us got into business to work for ourselves, but very quickly we find out that working for ourselves actually just means in the eyes of the government, we work for ourselves. We don't actually work for ourselves because if we step out of the business, it crumbles, right? And so that is kind of the basis of the health diagnosis that I do with my clients. And the framework that you mentioned, think about your favorite restaurant, your favorite hotel, like a spa. You walk into the front door, there's probably a beautiful flower arrangement of some sort. The concierge is there to meet you. Like I always love like when they offer me a piece of fruit or 
I recently had a chance to get away and they poured some fresh fruit juice for me or like whatever that like entrance experience is. And for businesses, that's your sales, your marketing, your PR. It's anything that the world sees of you that they can just kind of walk in and say, okay, what is this business that I'm about to experience? The second part of the framework is what I call the house. And it's that thing that makes you the money. It's your products, it's your services. It's the thing that drives your revenue, hopefully your profit. It's the thing we're there to create and we're so passionate about. And then the back of the house, again, going back to that restaurant analogy, is all of the people that are behind the scenes making it it work. It's the chef, it's the sous chef, it's, you know, it's all those people. So in our businesses, it's our it's our team, it's our legal, it's our accounting, finance, HR, like it's all of that stuff that's like the business of the business. And unless those three pieces are working together, in my opinion and in my experience, then there's probably a bottleneck or the CEO is too far into, or someone, it doesn't may not be the CEO, is too far into the business that that health check is going to come back with some negative scores, most likely. And so what I do is I work with you know entrepreneurs to go through each of the parts of their business, of their, their three houses. And I have a very extensive audit that I do, although it can be done in abbreviated portions. And we give each one a score and then week over week or quarter over quarter, depending on what makes sense, we look to improve those scores constantly. Kind of like when you go to the doctor and they're like, oh, your cholesterol is high or, you know, great job losing those five pounds or, you know, whatever it is. And the reality is with businesses is you can have an A plus in one area, but then you launch a new offer and all of a sudden you've got a D again, right? So it's about continually having your pulse on what is the health of my business so that you know what areas are weak and need to be worked on. I love it. I I feel like I need that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm also in like a little pivot transition for business. So yeah, I I feel like, oh, I love how you said it with all the analogies too. Like um, (laughs) I could vision it, like the walking in and the house and then the back, like, oh yeah, that was perfect. (laughs) And I think so many people forget or, or they have, I feel like when they have the back where their team is, for example, they just kind of throw maybe a VA or somebody else back there at the start. And then they don't have what they need to like do all the cooking in the back kitchen. So then the house falls apart because it the customers aren't getting what they want delivered from the offers. And then it's tying back into the front entrance. So I love that. Yeah. And if I could give an example. So one of my clients is in the health and wellness space for basically, she's, she's super well-known in, in Hollywood, I guess is, is what I'll put it. And she is she has all of the certifications and all of the experience and she's just delightful and she's just amazing at her job. But she never went to business school. So while she is so amazing at what is driving the revenue of the business, like it can't be expected that also she knows about all of the other pieces of the business because that's not her expertise. And so I just hope that people have the grace to know that they can have the thing that they're so passionate and they're so good at, as long as they have someone in the business that knows about all of those other things, like it's okay that they don't know everything. And it's better to get some help and get someone else involved in the business rather than like 
having a duct tape job on it and say, oops, I didn't know, because that can be really damaging to a business. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think that's a good point about like, you need to know your strengths, what you're the best at, what is most important for you to do as CEO. Like for me, I knew very early on that I was not, well, I had like a team, but it was like, I was the bottleneck between the team getting what they needed. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is just not like, I'm not, I'm okay at managing the team, but like delegating tasks and like following up, making sure like everyone has what they need and all of that stuff. I'm like, this is just not my strength. So for me, I was like, I need to bring in an OBM to be like the go-between, manage the business, like the day-to-day. So I can continue focusing on like the creative, fun marketing ideas and the money generating activities. And and I mean, some people are really good with the admin stuff and maybe they need to bring somebody in who's like more of a strategist to help them with the marketing piece. Mm-hmm. It just depends on like what your what your specific strengths are. So in terms of like hiring a team, I'd love to know like, what do you think are the best tips for somebody who is maybe just starting to outsource or find their first team member or even grow their team if it's a small team? Like what is the best way to make sure that you're getting or hiring the right people and getting them in the right seats or right positions so that your your business can flourish with the help of your team. Yeah, I am shocked by the number of people that I talk to that they're completely overwhelmed with hiring. And I feel like and I'm not meaning, you know, like we just talked about everyone has their their strengths. But I think people forget that they own whatever that means to make the hire. And so it's not about going out and finding a full-time employee 40 hours a week that exactly matches, you know, exactly what your business culture requires. It's creating a job description or a profile of the person that you think you need in a very fair way. And then taking the time to really explore if in fact that is what you need. And if this is the person that you need. So I talk a lot with my clients you know, let's bring this person in for 15 hours a month. Let's be upfront with them in the interview process. This is a new hire. There's going to be learning. It may not work out. It doesn't mean that that's a reflection of them. It could be us. I think just taking those steps to hire people will quickly teach you what needs to get done in your business and the kinds of people that you like to work with. So um, for example, I know that communication is everything to me. I know that I'm really bad at following up on certain kinds of tasks. And so figuring out what my own strengths and weaknesses are and thinking about those attributes as I'm making hires, either for myself or for my clients, it's just a learning process. And I think as long as everyone is very transparent about you know, this is the intention and that there's, you know, contracts in place that say, you know, we'll give you 30 day trial period or two weeks notice, or, you know, let's review this job description together in 45 days or whatever those terms are. I think it can be a really comfortable experience. That's incredibly eye-opening. Mm-hmm. That's so true. What do you, 
What are your thoughts around? Because I know I've I've talked to a few people that are like, oh, I hired somebody to help, and I feel like it's not working out. And I see that a lot. Where, like, I, I know the phrase like "hire slow, fire fast" is people use that a lot. So, what are your thoughts around that? Like, if somebody goes through the hiring process, they have the job description, they shortlist people, they they do calls, and then they choose someone, but then it doesn't seem like it is going to be the right fit after the 30 day period. I disagree with, I've heard that phrase a lot. I disagree with it. The reason I I am someone that I move at a very fast pace, but I'm also very deliberate in how I do that. And so for example, the hiring that I do, it does move quickly, but it's very controlled and very thoughtful. So you know, meet with this person, meet with that person. Here's an assessment I want you to take. Like each step in the process is very well thought through. I find that going through that process with people, I very quickly understand if their communication style and speed matches what I'm looking for, because it's those intangibles as well. I also think in terms of firing fast, you know, I did let someone go for a client of mine. She had been on the job maybe three or four days. And that was a fire fast situation because it needed to be. She didn't have the skills. She was being incredibly dangerous with the clients. She wasn't acting professionally. And that was a fire fast case. I've only done that a couple of times. I am very much a believer in diagnosing quickly, figuring out what needs to change. Did this person not have access to the things that they needed to, or were they not, are they using different communication tools? Do they not have the training? So I'm very quick to diagnose and put a plan in place to solve. And then after that due diligence has been done, I don't believe in settling. So I've had multiple clients that have brought me in simply to diagnose the health of their team. And I've had to let people go and that's okay, but it's after a certain amount of due diligence has been done. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I've I've never known what to think about that phrase. <laughs> like, yeah. I know I, I hear a lot in Facebook groups too, where somebody's thinking about hiring somebody or is having an issue with somebody that they did hire, and I hear people comment with that phrase all the time. Yeah, you know, the other thing that I would encourage people to think about is there are several major influencers that actually have the reputation for firing fast. That is their choice. But as a company where you're looking to attract top talent, know that word gets around, right? So if if I'm considering giving up one client for another client and I know the client has a reputation for firing fast, you know, that may change my decision about accepting a position. Yeah. And that's something to think about too, because I know like just in this entrepreneur space, like it's so amazing how small it actually is. Like it feels like it's this big, huge internet bubble. But I mean, I cross paths with the same people all the time at different events and things and or in yeah. Facebook groups. And it's, it's always amazing to me how small it actually is. Yes. Yes, for sure. So I know that as an introvert, and I, I know everyone's going to want want me to ask. So I usually try to ask if my guest is also an introvert. So For your business, how do you typically market your business or get clients, whether at the beginning or now, if it's changed? So I have found that I am very relationship 
driven. One-to-one relationships are where I do really well. Social media is painful to me for it's noisy to me. It's it's a part of my brain that doesn't come naturally to me. The same with like nurture marketing. It's just, it's not that I can't do all of the things for my clients. It's just really different for me being a business owner and say, I'm going to go out there and do that thing. And so for me, I've hired people to support me and I've asked them to hold me accountable. And a perfect example of that is there's a letter that I like to put out to a core group of consultants that I lead. And I know if left to my own devices, I won't send that letter. I literally have it as a task in our project management platform for our copywriter to remind me every, you know, like every other month or or whatever the cadence is to write that letter and hear the bullet points that need to be addressed. It's It's not that I can't do that for my clients. It's something about my own business. And I've learned that about myself. So I've put a structure in place and people in place that push me just beyond my comfort zone. And I've had very frank conversations with my social media team about what I am willing and not willing to do. And they meet me where I'm where I'm at and then give me a little nudge. I've also really had to, and this has been super scary for me, but um, with some basic, basic things that I see other people doing in social media, I don't know how to do those things. Or I tell myself, I don't know how to do those things. So I've literally been like, can you get on a Zoom call with me for five minutes and show me like which button do I need to push when or how do I go live and do this thing or all of those other things that I'm just as an introvert, like don't feel natural to me or I want to remove all of the barriers to actually getting out there and being more visible. So I guess it goes back to your comment about having great teams and knowing how to hire. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And also a little bit, I love what you said about, you know, you tell yourself that I don't know how to do that. And that's kind of just an excuse holding you back. I feel like I do the same thing a lot, not just business-wise, but like in life, I'll say like, oh, I can't do that. And I say I can't so often. And my husband has called me out for many years about using the words I can't for things that yes, I could do. I'm just, I'm just somehow in my head just saying like, oh, I can't do that. But it's all about how we talk to ourselves. (laughs) I think it's also part of being an introvert though. It's if it takes me a few extra minutes to fumble around to figure out how to do the thing, is someone going to be looking at me, right? Like I don't want to create that feeling for myself, like that I'm under pressure or that like I'm intimidated or so I always want to go out, you know, as strongly as, as I can versus I think some of the extroverts that I work with is, oh, you know, they just play it off and they make a joke. And it's actually, it's a very casual interaction either way. But as someone that is such an introvert, it's really intimidating to me. Yeah. I I feel the same way. Sometimes when I'm starting a call and I'm like, oh, I can't find the record. I'm like, then I start getting flustered and the high, like feeling the pressure of like, I've got to get this right. This has got to look good. <laughs> I think we're just, we're in our heads a lot more than some extroverts who could just like be chill about it and just like let things like that just roll off and just continue on. Whereas I'm an overthinker. And I think that's a little bit of the introvert, a little bit of the social anxiety. Yes. Um, but I love that. So I would love for you to share a little bit more about how anyone listening can work with you or how they can best connect with you. Sure. So you can always find me on my website, daniellecleavy.com. 
I'm on Instagram also at Danielle underscore C underscore Levy. And like I said, like I am all about one-to-one connection and building real solid relationships with people. And especially if they're introverts that are listening right now, like know that reaching out to me is, it's a very safe thing to do that clearly I'm not afraid to share my feelings. And I really value those relationships because I know what it takes sometimes to just kind of try to figure out how to make that traction happen. That's awesome. I know you have, I, I have to plug your really awesome digital product. The solo to CEO system, this bundle of resources is only $27. And they think it's amazing. So for anyone who is looking to outsource, but start building a team, step into their role as CEO, I think this is such an incredible offer. So we'll have that link as well in the show notes for everyone to check out. Thank you so much for being here and sharing everything. I think this is so valuable. And I know, especially the parts about the health of your business. I think that is like the main takeaway, the most important thing that everyone should think about more and be aware of more and definitely connect with Danielle. If you want to learn more about strengthening the health of your business, increasing your profits or building a team. I mean, she's, she's a powerhouse and has so much knowledge. Well, thank you for saying that. And I've loved being here and and having this conversation with you. Thank you so much for joining me today. This episode may have ended, but there are ways we can stay in touch until next time. You can join me at theterrorread.com where you can find tons of blog posts and resources that will also help you grow your business. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at introvertcoach where I share more introvert-friendly and service-based business tips with you. If you love what you're hearing, drop a five-star rating and review telling me what you are loving about the podcast so that I can continue to encourage as many introverted entrepreneurs as possible. Until next time, keep using your introvert superpowers.